Well, we have been talking about since uh, we moved into the Advent season, we've been talking about ways to unwrap Christmas. And uh, our goal has been to, to remind you what we, what we really are, are supposed to be doing during this season. Uh, we Certainly all the, the Christmas stuff and the movies and all the fun and all that kind of stuff, that, that is a great part of it. And, and we by no means want to say, oh, you can't do that or anything like that, or you're, you can't call yourself a Christian if you do that. That's not what we're trying to say. All we're trying to say is with all that celebration and everything that you do, with all the, the, the traditions that you have and everything, that there's another level to that. That actually you can take those family traditions, those, those, those things that we do, all, the, all of the, the little interactions that we have with one they can take on new meaning and, and actually grow in meaning if we, if we get the foundation right. And as we have been talking about over and over, I'm sorry if it's a surprise to you, if, if, if it's a surprise to you that as a Christian church we're going to talk about Jesus being the center of Christmas, then let me know what church you were going to earlier because we need to send them a letter because that, that, that's what it comes down to. Christ is the gift that we celebrate. And what we have been talking about is, is some of the things that that relationship offers us. Some of the things that, that his relationship can, can lead to in our lives. And we started by, by talking about love uh, to begin with, that it's not something that we can buy. It's not something that we deserve. That God, as he looked at us, as he created and began this world, uh, we, humanity was a huge disappointment. And he should have started over. He should have wiped the slate clean and, and gone in a different direction, but he didn't because he cared too much about us. And he reached out to us. And he said, there's nothing that you're ever going to be able to do that will separate me from my love from you. You can choose to run away from me, and, I, and I'm going to give you that freedom. I, you know, you, you can make that choice, but I'll always be here waiting for you. There's nothing you can do that's going to make me stop loving you. And that's, that's a big comfort to know. That, that gives us meaning. That, that's the basis of what the scriptures are about, is God's love for us. And that, if we can get that, then, then that opens the door for, for him to do a lot of other things in our life. If you understand that God, the creator of all the universe, loves you individually, not as a group of humanity, but as an individual with a name. It says he even knows the number of hairs on your head. If you can understand that, then it begins to open the doors to you of, of the possibilities of how he might work in your life. God loves us. And love is, is something that once we receive it, it, it naturally begins to flow out of us as well. And once you understand that there's a God who loves you that says nothing can ever get in the way of that relationship, then hope can enter in. Because if you understand you have meaning, if you understand that this all-powerful God is going to do whatever he can to demonstrate his love for you, now all of a sudden, even if you find yourself in a hopeless situation, even if you find yourself in darkness, even if you're going through a tragedy or a hard time, even if it seems like you ought to just give up, you can remind yourself that God, who is all-powerful, who is able to do all things, 
says that there's hope. Says that he can make good out of bad. Says that he can turn darkness into light. Crying and mourning into laughter and praise. That's what hope is all about. That, that assurance that even when we can't see the end of the tunnel, that there is an end of the tunnel. That even when we're caught in the darkness of night, we know that there's a sunrise coming. That's, that's what hope is about. And then once you, when you have love and hope, well, now you can actually begin to experience what, one of the, the things that our society is lacking, which is peace. It, it, there can start to be a calmness in you. That we know we don't have to run the rat race all the time. That we know we don't have to solve all the world's problems all the time because there is this God who loves us, who has power to change the future. And so it's not up to me. And I can pull back a little bit and begin to have some, some peace. Well, what we're going to talk about today is, is the fourth one, the pink one, as Colton pointed out for us. That it's joy. It's joy. And, and you know... This is where a lot of us want to start with Christmas. I mean, this is, this is sort of the thing that we, that we dream about. It's, it's, the, it's the goofy movies. It's the fun parties. It's all the things. That's the thing that we're looking for at Christmas, that, that we could just be happy, right? And we try to find different ways to do that. If, you know, we, we try to find ways to sort of force it, and, and we, we try to force our families into that, and and I'm just as guilty as that as, as Haley, last week Haley was wanting to go to the, with her friends to the Trail of Lights. And, and I, no, that's our family thing to do, and you are not going with anyone else. And what am I doing? That's, but but we, we try to force our, our, our we, we want this joy. And usually if we were to define joy, joy has to do with our happiness. Joy has to do with our feeling good, right? And, and in order to feel good, in order to be happy, then everything has to be right. And this is why, guys, just, this is why your wife or your mother or whatever wacko female you have in your life, this is why they freak out when, when there's a dinner going on is because happiness is in the details, right? Happiness is in the circumstances. And so if the ham burns or the rolls aren't finished or the table isn't set correctly or whatever, and I'm sorry, females, we do stupid things too. But that's, that's where that comes from. It, it's the wanting to create the perfect because in order to be happy, the things have to be perfect, right? Well, Christian joy has nothing to do with circumstances. Christian joy is, is a state in which you can have fullness. It's a, it's a thing that happens d- despite circumstances. It's, a, it's, it's something that God can give us that can raise our, our awareness of his presence, that can, that can give us an assurance and something to celebrate even in the darkest, even in the darkest of circumstances. What I want to talk to you about this morning is the if-onlys. 
Because part of the thing that we do, part of the thing that we do, in order to create a life that we could be happy with, we all have these if-onlys that run through our mind. If only I had more job security, then... It, I would, there wouldn't be the pressure, and we could get more. We, we could get more done. We wouldn't be in debt, and, and all of that. Could, so, if only I could get a new job, then things would be done. Or our young parents, if only we could get our kids out of diapers, it would just change. Oh, I, I, I can't wait for. And parents, that is a great day when that comes. <laughs> that, that is a great day. But if only. Or if only, teenagers, if only I could graduate from high school and get out of the clutches of my parents' domination, then life would be happy from then on. If only, you you see where I'm going? And you, you got some if onlys, don't you? Because it's the way we think. And if if you really want to be honest with yourself and you go back and look at your list of if-onlys, even when they came through, you, came, you just came up with another one, didn't you? Even when you got exactly what you wanted, it still didn't make you happy, did it? See, that's, that's, the, that's why we have such a hard time with this concept of joy in our culture is because we live in a place where most of the time we get pretty much what we want. And when we figure out it's, we're still searching for what we need. That, that our money and our power and our, and our prestige and our, the, at the end of the day, they just still leave a hole. And we say, if only, if only, if only, if only. And we go through our life just adding to that level. I, I was thinking about that as, as far as in terms of our life, like in our marriage, how, how you just start stacking and, and before long you can look back 20 years later and if you had to go back to step one, you like would think that God had abandoned you forever. I was, the way I was looking at that is when Lori and I first got married, I was finishing up school. She was already graduated, new teacher and everything. Our first home was the wing of her grandfather's farmhouse which consisted of a bathroom and a bedroom and but man we've got a little folder we bring out every year uh for for christmas and it's my first christmas album and stuff and and we got pictures of how and Haley pulled one out and said, why don't you take pictures kissing anymore and it was our first year of being married you know and we were happy and then, you know, the, but, you know, if only we could get out on our own. So then you start, and, you know, and before long, we've, we've now been married 21 years, right? My anniversary is in this month, so 21 years, and after 21 years of chasing if-onlys, and after 21 years of, you know, we need a better, and after 21 years of that, it, it gets harder and harder to think about living simply. And it, it gets harder to think that you could be happy without. That's, that's, how, that's the danger. 
of the pylon of the Ephomen. Well, we're going to look at a passage from Isaiah that says why God's way, even though we resist it, it gives us an understanding of why it works anyway. And so let's look. It's Isaiah 55. Isaiah's writing to a bunch of people that have their own list of if-onlys. If only God would do this for us, then we could be happy. If only God would allow us to have our own government, then we would be happy. If only God would do away with, uh, with, our, with our oppressors, then we would be happy. If only God would bless us and give us better farms, then we could be happy. They had their own list of if-onlys. And God is saying, wait, you're looking in the wrong place. You're looking for the wrong thing. You can have fullness in me. And they're like, yeah, right. And he says, verse 8, chapter 55, My thoughts are nothing like your thoughts, says the Lord, and my ways are far beyond anything you could imagine. For just as the heavens are higher than the earth, so my ways are higher than your ways, and so my thoughts are higher than your thoughts. The rain and the snow come down from the heavens and stay on the ground to water the earth. They cause the grain to grow, producing seed for the farmer and bread for the hungry. It is the same with my word. I send it out and it always produces fruit. It will accomplish all I want it to and it will prosper everywhere I send it. You will live in joy and peace. The mountains and the hills will burst into song and the trees of the field will clap their hands. Where once there were thorns, cypress trees will grow. Where nettles grew, myrtles will sprout out. These events will bring great honor to the Lord's name. They will be an everlasting sign of his power and of his love. What Isaiah is saying here is, you all think you have it figured out. If only, if only, if only, and you keep resisting what God has for you. But guess what? God, God is bigger than you. If you haven't figured that out yet, that's true. There, there is a God, and it is not you. All right? He has a plan for you, and his plan is much better than what you have for yourself. No matter how elaborate your dreams, no matter how specific your dreams, God has the best plan for your life. And he says, here's, my, here's what you want for your life. Here's what I want for your life. You can't even imagine or dream about what I want for you because you don't have the, you don't have the creativity I do. My ways are much higher than your ways. My, what, my ways are much better than your ways. So why don't you go in my ways? Because if you would listen to what I have to say, if you would follow after me, you could have joy and happiness and love and peace and hope and grace and mercy and kindness. And all those things in life you want, they're yours. He says, the problem is you're not listening to my word. And my word doesn't fail. My word, when people get my word, my word, when it goes out, it always produces fruit. It always changes everything. It always makes a difference. My word makes a difference. And I just want to connect a couple dots. I'm going to do this quickly. I'm going to connect a couple preacher dots for you. So you can see, he says, my word, whenever it goes out, changes things. It, makes, it brings happiness, it brings joy. Okay, so we know word is how somebody speaks. Word is what comes out of the mouth. 
How did God speak primarily to us? Okay, so this, is, and we're familiar with calling this the Word, right? Okay, so that's the Word, and this is the written Word that we have of God. It's actually a living Word. It says in the Scripture that it's alive and active, and the Holy Spirit's able to apply it to us. So this is one way that we get the Word. But, in Hebrews it says, In the ancient times God spoke to you through the prophets. But in these days, he has spoken to you through a person. There's also a person we call the Word, and we don't have this on the screen, but if you have your Bible and you want to turn to John chapter 1, beginning in verse 1, he says, In the beginning the Word already existed. The Word was with God, and the Word was God. He existed in the beginning with God. God created everything through Him, and nothing was created except through Him. The Word gave life to everything that was created, and His life brought light to everyone. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness can never extinguish it. God sent a man, John the Baptist, to tell about the light so that everyone might believe because of his testimony. John himself was not the light. He was simply a witness to tell about the light. The one who is the true light, who gives light to everyone, was coming into the world. He came into a world that he created, but the world didn't recognize him. He came to his own people, and even they rejected him. But to everyone who believed in him and accepted him, he, came the, he gave the right to become children of God. They are reborn, not with a physical birth, resulting from human passion or plan, but with a birth that comes from God. So the Word became human. The Word became flesh, and He made His home among us. He was full of unfailing love and faithfulness, and we have seen His glory. It's the glory of a Father's one and only Son. And who is God's one and only Son? It's okay to say that out loud in church. Nobody's going to laugh at you. Who is, what's, what's the name? It's the name that's above all names. It's the name at which every knee will bow and every tongue confess. It's the name at which darkness is turned to light. It's the name at which your sadness can be turned into joy. It's the name at which your if only can turn into contentment. Jesus is the reason we celebrate Christmas. It's the way, that's God's word. It's the way that God said, you know what? You're not getting it when I'm talking to you. You're not getting the words coming out of my mouth. You're not getting it when I write it down for you. So let me show you. I'm going to come down and show you what is possible through me. And my, what I do ne always changes everything. And when Jesus came, he gave us a demonstration of what God is able to do if we're willing to follow him. And if you look at the life of Jesus, you see a person who did miracles. You see a person who changed broken relationships into healed ones. He brought people back from the dead. He changed illness and sickness. He brought happiness and wholeness. That's possible for your life. Through a person... His name is Jesus. 
That's why this is the that's why we put a big deal about Jesus being the center of the season because it's only through him that these things are going to happen. Love, hope, peace, joy. You know, if if you this if this year if you could take one step up in each one of those, you would look back on this year as being one of the best ever in your life because these things are eternal gifts. The batteries don't run out after two hours of play. The warranty doesn't go out on it as soon as, soon as you start to apply it to your life. It doesn't go out of style and you need to buy a new updated model coming up. These are the gifts that God gives us that actually can make a difference in your life. The way we're going to end our service this morning is, um, you know, we do a lot of things in the church, and, there, uh, and we have if-onlys in the church, you know. There's a lot of times that we can get caught in the if-only game in church, you know. If only we had bigger buildings. If only we had more volunteers. If only we had more money. If only we had, if, if only, if only we had a better preacher, then we could have a, but what, God continues to bless us and, and change our if-onlys into things that, that are real and ch- things that change lives. And so we're going to show you just a little glimpse of that. We've, we, we put together some pictures of what has gone about in the life of the church. You're going to see some mission trips. You're going to see some kids and youth programs. You're going to see some church programs. But it's just a picture of what God does. And I hope when I look at it, it gives me joy because it shows me that even though you got a messed up preacher and we got a bunch of jerky congregational members, God still does wonderful things in our church. So let's, uh, I think we got it working.
could be doing better in this church. There's a lot of ways that, that we need to improve. There's a lot of things that we want and need, and we can play if only. But you know what? God still ha- is able to work in our weakness. God is still able to bring about good and, and allow his word to take root and change lives. That was just a little picture of it. We could go on and on with weddings and and. and baptisms and all sorts of stuff. I hope that you sense that in your life, that God can give you joy. And, uh, you know, that's, that's, what, that's a good thing to have over this Christmas season. We're going we're gonna, to um, sing one last song. Uh, um, just want to make an invitation to you. If you're looking for a church home, if you're looking for a place you can call home, uh, we would love for this to be that place. We have two things we ask for membership. The first one came to Jesus. It's a great commandment. To love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. To love your neighbor as yourself. And then as we are trying to do that in this local church, we ask you to participate with us with your prayers, your presence, your gifts, and your service. It takes a lot of work to, to be a part of God's ministry. And if you're willing to make that commitment, if you're ready to do that, come on up. We'll we'll welcome you in, make you part of the family. We'll talk about it. You can make an appointment with me. We can visit about it. But that invitation's always open to you. Why don't you stand with us? Let's sing one last song this morning.